Okay, we are live. Hello, Johnny Butabi. Hey, Josh, how you doing today? Good, good. So, uh, real excited to have you on. When I started the podcast, I, I feel like I say this a lot, but when I started the podcast, I was like, this is a guy I need to have on because your story is so unique and so motivational that I wanted to make sure that, that we recorded it. Um, and it's nice because I, I this one is not in my mind. I mean, I know you're you're Johnny Butabi, so it might end up being controversial, but it's nice not walking in. Liability? You kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's nice to be able to come into one and just be like, oh man, we're not really dealing with controversial topics. I mean, it's fun. It's interesting. I like hearing from people, stuff like that. The last few, I've had a lot of good feedback because, yeah. uh, you know, I, even like with polyamorous Ruth and with Kevin Evers, the, the Trump supporter, it was nice to get some feedback from people who said uh, that didn't go the way that I thought, or I really understand where that person's coming from. And that's, that's the purpose of the podcast. And so, yeah. but you, you, for me, you've always been like a super fascinating guy because when I saw you the first time I met you, uh, I mean, I, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but you didn't, when you came out the curtain, you didn't look like a, what a, what you vision a WWE wrestler look like. Right. Well, not. Came, so right. <laughs> there's that. Right. right. But I mean, back then you were doing Johnny Plinko. You yeah. were the DMW champion. That was and, an amazing shape, by the way, too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that was the thing. Like you, you weren't in the greatest of shapes. It was a horrible <laughs> shape. <laughs> but I tell you all those pictures when I see them on Facebook now. Like I'm like, oh man, I looked like that. Like, yeah, I right. Look older at 25 than I did at 35. <laughs> right. Right. And so when I saw you, I mean, this is probably 13, 14 years ago. First time I met you. Okay, yeah. And because it was like I said, you were the champion of DMW. You were the main event at the first show when I started SWF. And I looked at you and I said. He's he he doesn't look like a wrestler, but he's he's charismatic. Right. And I was like and I like him and I got to find a spot for him. And that's when we started the heartbeat of America thing, which was my favorite Oh, Your matches man. with Mike Rain were my favorite matches I did. They were <laughs> so much fun. What was great about that whole run is the heartbeat of America is that it was not planned. Other than right. just like booking me once, you know, right. other than booking me once. And then like, I was not the heartbeat of America. And it just kind of happened because I was a, I came out as a luchador in a, the same show. Right. Like Canadian. You right. know, like we were just doing all these things and we found something that kind of stuck. And I, I think, like, I think I described it to you, and this was, again, like, 11 years ago. I was like, okay, I'm going to be, like, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but, like, a stoner. Yeah. I know what, and, and I'm not a stoner. I don't even smoke. So that's right. what made it even better. Yeah, and it was. was so Hacksaw fun. Rib Duggan. That's what I was playing right there. <laughs> yeah. It was good. I had a great time with it. And then the more, the more I got to know you, well, a couple things. The more I got to know you, the more I really was impressed by your backstory which is why I wanted to have you on here. Cause I think a lot of people don't know no. your backstory, but then also what's been super impressive is over the years, you have transformed yourself into a legit headliner. Like yeah. you draw people, people come to see Johnny Butabi. Yeah. You, you are a headliner at one of the biggest independent wrestling promotions in the country, really in hood slam. Yeah. You're you're a mainstay there. 
That's and even older, even older gimmicks that you have that you haven't done in years, you show up at a show and do an older gimmick, and people remember it and cheer it, and you're the you know you, you, they come away. When I when I did shows, because my fan base were not traditional indie wrestling fans. You're not no, you're not you're gonna, a lot of people. Yeah, I would bring in all these people who were, who had never even been to a wrestling show. So I'd ask them at the end. I'd go, so tell me what your favorite matches were. And there were a few people that they always remembered. They remembered the they remembered the twins, the commandos, and they yeah. remembered they remembered Johnny Plink. You were Johnny Plinko at the time. Yeah, it still was, yeah. Yeah. And and they remembered you and Mike Rain every every time. <laughs> and, and it was us every show. And right, then it, was every show. it was just was every show was just us. Yeah. <laughs> that was the part of the joke, is that just Mike Rain and Johnny Butabi are going to wrestle. Johnny Plinko and, and and Mike Rain was doing the Canadian thing. And so and he never won. Yeah, he never won. <laughs> he beat everyone he else won. but me. Yeah. And I beat no one else but him. Right. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah. So anyway, that was that's a long way of saying I'm really excited to have you on because your story is so inspirational. And you know, there's a lot of people out there who I, I hear it all the time. Like people are just like, I'm I don't know how to get out of this rut. I don't know how you know, I'm hurting. Somebody did something to me. Something happened to me out of my control. And now I feel this way or that way. And you've felt that and you've overcome it and probably still deal with it. Right. And yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So um, let's start and just ask. So you're you're based in Atwater, California, right? Yes. Merced County, right in the middle of the valley. So, yeah, yeah like literally the middle of the state. Yeah, I've been here since always. I was born in a hospital five miles up the road from here i was brought to a trailer about two miles up the road from here here i am yeah. <laughs> so i've been here since always yeah i've been in sacramento pretty much my whole life with the exception of the two years i went on my mission it's nice to stay in the same place i like yeah. it i mean it's it's uh a lot of people like to move around i get that but it's kind of nice to live in springfield you know what I mean? Like, you know, everyone, like I know the lady at the Chinese restaurant for 12 years yeah. right? or something like that. Like if I go to a bar, I know who's going to be behind the counter. Right. I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, there's a, there's a level to that. I was actually taking my, um, I took my son to a, a Kings game on Wednesday, I think, and we walk in and I probably at that point couldn't, I don't think I could get 10 steps without someone being like, Josh, what's up? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And, uh, and so he that like sharks games. Yeah. Go to a, it, I'll give you a nice little funny story real quick. So uh, about 10 years ago, um, I'm dating this woman and she's a big hockey fan. And she's like, Hey, you know, um, let's go to the sharks game. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. Right. So she, we get to the, we get to the arena and um, she's like, okay, um, you want to get the first round and, and then I'm going to use the restroom. I'll be right back. Like, yeah, no problem. So of course I got two beers. I'm wearing a hood slam shirt and I turn around and there's Johnny Draco. And I'm like, with two beers, I'm like, <laughs> guilty as charged. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It's so that's that's what you get when you stay in the same place for so long. Is that yeah. you know, you know everybody, everybody knows you. My son walked away thinking his dad was a superstar. And I'm like, nah, it's just because I'm tall and it's easy to it's easy to spot me. And yeah. You know, and and I've just been here for so long, everybody remembers, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, so you grew up primarily in Atwater then? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was born in Merced, which is, if you go 800 feet that way, it's technically Merced from my house. Right. 
Right. So okay. it's, it's the same town. To me, it's sure. the same town. It's like Turlock and Modesto, yeah. Elk Grove, Sacramento. It's Sacramento. Right. Um, you know what I mean? The same same idea. Um, I, I uh, was born here. And then, yeah, I've just lived here my whole life. And just I've gone to, you know, school here. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, I've, I've always been here. This is like, oh, this is, I'm not going to leave. Like, I've always told people. Because I know you see pictures up in my house and all the cool stuff back there and all the stuff I post online. I've always told people, like, I'm not leaving this house unless I'm moving to the White House. Right. Well, that's the plan right now. I'm not leaving here unless I'm going there. Right. Or the governor's mansion, I guess I'll work with that. You know, um, that's that's the game plan is I'm I'm just going to stick around here unless unless some, some good stuff happens. Do you have family around there, too? Yeah. So uh, and, you know, me, I'm a little rebellious. Like mm-hmm. we said, uh, I kind of go against the grain of what a lot of people think. You know, a lot of people, you've seen this throughout my career. Like, there's ideas that you can't do that in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you and I did exactly that. Right. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. so um, my family is originally from the Kalinga Viacelia area. And my grandfather, there was like 12 of them. There was a lot of them. I don't even know how many there was. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know one of my uh would have been my great uncle. He died when he was very young. So there was a lot of them, though. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, they're from there. My grandfather, whose name is John Martin, um, he was the one that moved away. Mm. They all were Dodgers fans because oh. of the area. Sure. Um, my uncle Daryl played for the Dodgers. Oh, wow. For six seasons. My grandfather, my grandfather, John, Giants fan. <laughs> Even though his brother is literally on the team. No, nah, I like the Giants better. I like Willie Mays. But your brother's on the team. <laughs> My other great uncle was on the White Sox. No, no, Giants, Giants. So just, just doing things the, the way you want to do them, I guess. Hey, you know what? That's that's loyalty right there. I tell mm-hmm. I tell my kids, you know, my two sons are in basketball, and they're like, what if I get drafted to the Lakers? And I'm like, if you get drafted to the Lakers, I'd stone you. That's it. <laughs> like, that's it. I can't. I cannot accept such behavior. I yeah. had a – my mom always tells this story, and, of course, we just had a Christmas. So, of course, she tells us – you know how it is. Relatives yeah. tell the story. Uh, when I was in T-ball, I got put on the Dodgers. Oh, man. I wore a giant shirt under my uniform every game. I'm five years old. I'm still that defined. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't let it touch my skin. You know. So I was wearing a giant shirt underneath. It was the home baby shirt with Will Clark. If you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was the giant attitude. I was wearing that yeah. under my shirt every game. Nice. Now baseball, big part of your life. Right? Big time. My whole family. Right. So is this was it? Was it kind of an expectation as you were growing up that you were going to play baseball? I don't know that it was an expectation. I just knew that like, it wasn't even like, like pressured on me because mm-hmm. I liked it. Like sure. I remember watching family videos and I'm like in a little bouncer watching the game. Nice. Like they didn't have to like, like be like, you have to watch this. I'm like, no, I want to watch it. And I'm, my mom even tells another story again. We just said Christmas. Um, they would have like house parties, you know, when I was like two, three years old, whatever. And of course this is the eighties. So my dad's friends would come by and they were feeling pretty good. And they would just like sit on the couch right next to me. The game would be on. And I would literally list off the guy's stat line. And I'm like two, three years old. Yeah. Well, this is this is Robbie Thompson. He's got seven home runs right now. He's hitting about 280. And then the guy's just like, 
and they get up and leave. Right. <laughs> you know? I'm like, what the hell? Nice. You, uh, what position did you play? Um, before I got injured, I was, this is why I couldn't really become who I could have became. I was a middle infielder. Mm. I played second and short and Juwan Hodges, who you, you've heard of probably from my matches with in CWA. Sure. If I was second base, he was shortstop. He was, or we were interchangeable basically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we did that. And then every third day I would pitch. Oh, so nice. that was what I did mostly coming up. I played everywhere when I got injured and, and for the people that don't know what my injury is, I don't, that's my throwing hand. Mm. I lost four fingers on my throwing hand. Um, so what I had to do afterwards is if you've ever seen Jim Abbott, the one-handed pitcher that threw a no-hitter for the Yankees back in the day, right. I um, uh, took what he did. Mm-hmm. I would fill the ball in my left hand, trap it, throw it left-handed. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. taught myself how to throw left-handed. Uh, so I was playing first base because you don't have to throw the ball that much at first base. Right. And I still had a middle infielder's hands. So I was like a JT Snow, if you remember him. Sure. He was sure. a fantastic. He was not built like a first baseman, but he was so good. He just happened to be left-handed. You had to stick him there. Sure. So I was playing, and we were like, I mean, I was making these crazy plays and all that. And I remember uh, we're in a tournament in Oakdale, California, and I'm not. It was a doubleheader, so um, I was on the bench at the time. And excuse me. Uh, the coach asked me, hey, uh, Gilbertson's going to come in. Martin, you want to warm up in the bullpen? I'm like, oh. One of positions I played, all of them but catcher. I can never catch the ball with the catcher's mitt. I don't know what it is. I never have been able to. I remember when I was in Little League, the ball would just go up. I'm like, dude, take me out of the game. I'm not good at this. I don't like the helmet. You know, all this stuff. Right. But, uh, so we're over there, and I keep dropping the ball. Mm. And I'm just getting so sick of taking off the glove for the ball I didn't catch. And, right. picking it up. and I'm just like, no, screw this. And I just pick it up with my right hand and throw it. I'm like, I just spent a year and a half teaching myself to throw left-handed on a tarp hung on a clothesline in my parents' backyard to just now realize I could still throw right-handed. <laughs> nice i learned that and then so i'm warming up the pitcher and then the pitcher comes back to the dugout coach martin can still throw right-handed he's back team already you know (laughs) whatever right and they're like okay you know because at this time i was also running cross country oh nice so i gained a lot of speed you're like martin you're playing center field i'm like all right let's rock and roll yeah and then you get toward the end and i'm i'm rifling guys out from the outfield sure with a thumb and a palm nice <laughs> so yeah. nice well let's so so let's talk about the injury this is happens in high school right yeah this was a i was a uh it was november the first and i was actually i knew we were going to talk about this obviously um i remember that day because it was november the first dia la morte right mm-hmm. and then um i remember because it's 2000 and uh, there was, I haven't told no one this story. I just thought it was weird at the time, but I didn't, I just kind of shook it off. Uh, I'm in fourth period, and one of the golf kids, it was golf kids back then, you know, but sure. he was a Mexican golf kid. He was dressed, he, you know, he had the paint and all that. And I remember, like, we got to class early that day, and he just kind of looked at me. And I'm just kind of like, 
Okay, that was fourth period. Fifth period. Wow. So uh, I, I remember thinking it was weird at the time, but I didn't think, and it wasn't like he was a bad kid or nothing either. Like sure. he was like really, I think his name was Dave. He was cool, but like it was just kind of, he was probably hungover. It was the day after Halloween. You know, right. <laughs> it's probably why he was like, and I'm just like, but uh, so what happens is, uh, uh, I don't know how well you're familiar with woodwork, a uh, machine called a cleaner. Okay. So basically it shaves like small pieces off the top or bottom of wood mm. to kind of get it to where you need it to be. So the machine we have there, you have what's called a guide board. You set your work board on top of your guide board. You pushed it through. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. They changed the guide board that day. They didn't tell no one it was an inch longer. Mm. Um, so while I'm setting down the work board, it catches, pinches, and drags me through the machine. Oh, wow. I didn't cut my fingers off. I crushed them off. Oh, wow. So, and then uh, one of the other students was pressing the emergency stop button. You find out it takes 30 seconds for the emergency stop to kick in. Oh, wow. It takes six seconds for you to get through it. Right, right. It's, it's a worthless button. Right. Which wow. I know with you being in law, I think you understand why. I yeah, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> the personal injury part of it. Like, I'd like this case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, wow. Now, now at the time, so this is your junior year, senior year? No, freshman. Oh, freshman year. Freshman. Okay. This is, so I am literally in, in, I've been in what, two and a half months at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Freshman year. I'm playing, I'm a wide receiver on the football team. Oh, wow. Um, that didn't happen, obviously. Well, we had two games left. Um, I ended up trying out the next year, but I was just like, I'm just not feeling it now. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, like even the coach was like, "No, you would have made the team even as a receiver." Hmm. And I'm just like, "I gotta." And you we were talking the mental health. Like, those are some memories I want to leave alone, right? Because I got out of the hospital, and then we had one game left at hmm. home, so they made me the honor, honorary captain or whatever. I got to flip, you know, well, not flip the coin, but you know what I mean. Call yeah. the coin toss. I mean, sure. So even though I got a sling and all that. And then uh, I was just like, eh, I don't. It's not feeling it, huh? I don't want to do this anymore. And I've and I I did a, a podcast uh, last week, mm. and it's a uh, well. I'm kind of skipping ahead, but I know we'll talk more baseball. But like, even when I got to college, I just was like, even this with baseball, I was just like, all right, this 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 story's already been told. I need to tell another one. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I get that. So, what was it? What do you think it was about the injury? Well, before we get into that, prior, were you I, – I don't know how baseball scouting works, but from what yeah. I've been told, I mean, you were you were very good, right, at well, baseball? it's – I mean, you're not going to get scouted in middle school, obviously. Sure. But it's a small town that people talk. Um, the coach I had is incredibly well-respected. So – he, he pulled me up as a seventh grader to the varsity team. So I played for him for two years. Um, even after I got hurt, he invited me back. And that's why I'm, and you know, I coach. Yeah. I started coaching when I was 15. Mm. When I was still, I wasn't ready to play yet. I said, okay, well, he offered me, Hey, do you want to help out with these guys? Cause all these guys look up to you. Cause I was the captain the year before, even mm. though there's guys on the team 
that are two months younger than me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like guys that were on the team with me last year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was always being kind of talked about and they was just, it was just kind of like, Oh man, like he got hurt. It's over. And I remember, I do remember, uh, coach Terry, that's who it was. Um, uh, he would, he was, mine was a PE coach and he got a bunch of, uh, letters from students that were seventh graders when I was eighth grader that knew me. And then was like, felt bad. I remember I read one. I don't remember who it was a girl. I don't remember her name, but I remember reading it and it set me off. And she didn't mean wrong at all. Mm -hmm. She was saying, you know, it sucks that this happened. I'm I'm sorry that baseball is just not going to be in your future. And I'm like, I didn't mm -hmm. say that. Sure. And again, this is 22 years ago. And I remember that. Yeah. And I just, I, I don't know if you ever see me before matches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I'm just kind of like in a zone yeah. and I'm like smacking yeah. myself in the face. Mm-hmm. That's where that started. Oh, wow. I'm like, no, you're not going to tell me how my life's going to turn out. Right. And again, she meant well. But it just like, hey, maybe soccer's in your I'm like, well, that was a goalie. That ain't going to help. You know, it's like I'm in the same position yeah. there. But uh, I was pretty good at goalie, by the way. But um, <laughs> again, you're a middle infielder. If you're a middle infielder and the ball moves slower and it's bigger. Right. Easy. Um, but yeah, no, that just, I remember that just set me off like in a way. And I'm like, and I think that's when we got the tarp out. Like mm -hmm. it was around then where I'm like, let's go. This isn't over. Yeah. This thing is so not in this way. So when you said you, you brought, you went back and you said you weren't feeling it. Um, what do you, what was it about it? Like when you say you're not feeling it, did you not feel, were you kind of getting depressed or was it something that was hurting you? Uh, were you scared that that thing wasn't like, talk more about that. So uh, we're talking the football thing, right? Or even yeah. baseball, I guess both of them. Uh, it's 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 part of like yeah you know it's 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 when you've already had the bad memories or the good ones that you're not going to talk mm. why go back and that's even uh like i said the, the podcast i did last week i was explaining i didn't do uh baseball after high school and the thing was like i said freshman year you lose your four fingers on your pitching hand right your senior year the mvp in your all league Wow. Like you don't, you don't like let it stop you, even if it's impossible. Sure. I was a switch hitter. I had to hit right-handed, which is my bad side. Right. So like that's, that's the side I'm, cause I'm, I'm right. eye dominant. Right. So I didn't strike out left-handed. Right. Right-handed. Uh, <laughs> it happened. Yeah. A bit. I, I remember getting the golden sombrero one day. Cause that was, <laughs> I don't know if you know what that is. <laughs> that's the four strikeouts in one game. I wow. got that. That's the backwards yeah. album. Right. Wow. Um, there was things like that. Like you just feel like it's better to just move on and try something new when you have no expectation. And that's part of like with wrestling. And I remember being at the, uh, I can't even think of the doctor's name, but, but, but basically getting the stitches taken out. Mm -hmm. So this is around the same time I got the letter and all that. And I'm looking and I'm like, this would be a hell of a gimmick. <laughs> and I'm 14 and I already know that. Right. And so I'm thinking, okay, I got to put a glove on this thing. Because if no one sees it and no one's seen it, mm -hmm. if it's on the line one time, oh, that's be something you could do. And I haven't right. done it yet. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So even at 14, I kind of knew that. And my, my thought was always this thing, this, this baseball thing, I'm never going to be as good as I was. It's mm. just not physically possible. Well, but I mean, you were, I mean, your senior year though, you're, you said you're all league MVP, right? Yeah, but I didn't get signed. <laughs> oh, okay. Good point. Good you point. Know, right. I didn't get signed. I got, I got a few offers, but I got like, like D 75 offers, you know, but you know, <laughs> I was, uh, I mean, yeah, I did that, but I mean, I was hitting 700 before that. Wow. Cause I didn't, that, I mean, again, yeah. middle school ball, whatever, but. Well, but the thing is, you're right. I mean, you know, I played basketball, right? And so, yeah, every single year, sure, the competition gets harder, but you also get better. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you, yeah. there's a progression. And if you have a setback that puts you back a year or two, then you're going to be a year or two behind everybody that continued playing. And also you do have a, you know, you, you do have a, an issue you got to work around that makes it harder. Yeah. And, and one of these stories, of course, this is one I always nice little conversation piece. I bring at the bar and I'm not a hundred percent sure about this. <laughs> I'm about 99% sure. Sure. Um, Colin Kaepernick played in the same division as us. Oh, wow. I remember there was a tall kid uh-huh. <laughs> that they brought into pitch and uh, he gave up a three run Wait, two run double to nice. <laughs> Not sure if it was him, but I'm like, wait, wait a minute. The timelines <laughs> add up. It's the same school, right? But it was a tall, like, right, caramel looking guy like myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I do right. remember that. So that's always one of my favorite little stories. I'm like, I think I get it. I'm, I'm betting a thousand off Kaepernick. Yeah, <laughs> and he's Not... got the L. So you, uh, you have your injury. How long, I mean, realistically, uh, after that, tell me what they did to you mentally. I mean, you ha- to, to play at the level that you were playing, even in seventh and eighth grade, you, ha- you obviously had some confidence. You're competitive. I know you're still competitive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what the injury that you had, tell me about the, I guess, in personal injury terms, the, the, is it the loss of quality of life, the suffering, the, what was it? Was, how did that affect you? I think like, even then I knew something was going to happen. Mm. Like even before then I'm like, okay, things are going too well here. Mm-hmm. Like, even when I'm like 13, 14 years old, I'm like, something's, I'm going to have to fight something. Here. Um, mm. One thing that, the thing that really messed with me the worst, and I learned about them later on, they even made a Metal Gear Solid game called it Phantom mm. Pains. Mm. Do you know about those? Yeah. So you have pains in the fingers that aren't there. It's the trippiest thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, it feels like your hand is being bent back through your wrist. Wow. And you look down and there's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've heard of that point, in both, in, in both uh, amputated fingers, feet, things like that. People will get, you know, the nerve endings will get messed up in the area that you have. And that, that nerve ending carries down to where the finger would have been. So you feel the yes. pain if the finger is still there. Yeah. And again, at the time, like all I want to do is eat little Caesars and play N64 with my friends. Right. I had to relearn how to play video games. Yeah. Because N64. Yeah. It's a bit tough. Yeah. Sure. A, a, a hand and a quarter basically. Right. Right. And the problem was the, the game I had that, uh, that just came out was, a. Uh, Zelda Majora's Mask. Oh, nice. Zelda games ain't easy. Yeah. <laughs> but I beat that thing. 
I did end up beating it. I beat it the month everything happened. And then, um, so I was able to beat that. I remember uh, there's a golf course in Ceres, Modesto area called mm -hmm. River Oaks that me and my friends, we always used to go because it was like whatever. I don't remember the amount it was. But uh, excuse me. Um, you basically could play all day. Mm. So you left on Sundays. Yeah. So my friends hit me up. Hey, man, I don't know if you can do it. But uh, mm -hmm. if you want to play, we can play. And I was always like third place, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. One day they invite me back. I smoke them. Nice. <laughs> I smoke them. They're like, what's going on here? But Man. yeah, the, the, the Phantom Pains, like, and that, that was like, that was like, I know I'm sounding like I'm bragging or whatever, but no, that was like big in me building my confidence back. Because mm -hmm. even just like stuff like that, I remember my same friend, he had a, uh, he had a basketball hoop in his backyard. Everyone does, you know, in this back patio. And then I'm like, yeah, let's ball. And, you know, and they're like, all right, let's see what you got, dude. And, and then I'm like, I smoke them. Right. And I'm just kind of thinking, okay, no, this, this idea you got in your head of where it's not over, mm -hmm. you're getting proven right here. Yeah. No, are you going to stop now or are you going to see this thing through? Yeah. And that's kind of like the mindset I still have. Right. Because I mean, I feel like I keep wanting to retire from wrestling. Oh, that never happens. Just, just happen. <laughs> like I was, I was retired two and a half. In the I'm ring, I'm 22 years old. Yeah, I've retired three times already. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm holding a championship right now. So yeah. like, I guess I'm not retired, you know? Sure. So, you know, let's talk about that mindset a little bit more because that's that's so true. I I had an injury, a, a concussion that took some time to recoup from, and uh, I remember going to a speech therapist. And for people who don't know, a speech therapist isn't there to tell you about you know it's not because you can't speak. They just help you with coping mechanisms because your executive functioning in your brain isn't doesn't work right until it fully heals. Yeah. Okay. And one of the things that she told me was how important mindset was to healing because she said statistics have shown that those who believe they're going to get better often do but the yeah, ones who don't they don't right yeah so what was it like was there a time can you remember something that maybe that clicked for you where your mind like was there a moment where where it you weren't in that way, and then one day you just said, "No, this isn't over." I kind of broke out. What was that again? I'm sorry. Oh, I the said, "What was it?" That... Oh, sure. So, I, I guess my question is: Was there a, an event that caused your mindset to switch to say this isn't over? I literally um, recall when it happened. I was in the ambulance. And uh, I told the uh, the paramedic, like, we got a game tomorrow. He said, I don't think you're going to make that. I'm like, I can be the kicker. <laughs> yeah. I can be the kicker. I play soccer. Uh -huh. I can be the kicker. We didn't even have a kicker. We had a pretty good kicker. But, <laughs> you know, but I just never, like, I even, my friend, his name is Ray Young, uh, literally the guy that dragged me out of the machine. He was, he was my friend since we were, like, fourth grade. Mm -hmm. he's the guy that pulled me out of the machine, all that. Um, 
we're in the office, shop director's office, because that's where he's brought me somewhere while they called 911. And then he's just like, dude, you just started laughing. I'm like, really? Because I was in shock. I don't mm. remember it. And like mm. I said, like he he said, yeah, you just said like I knew this was gonna happen. Hmm. And then so it was like, okay. Like one of the mindsets I've always kind of had is now now you guys got a chance. Right. And then I'm leveling the playing field. Y'all got the, the, the playing field leveled for you. Sure. I'm gonna give you a shot now. Right. And again, like I said, it sounds like a braggadocious attitude or whatever, but it gets me to the next day. Yeah. That's it's interesting. Uh I, I've said this before on the <clears> podcast. I remember listening to a TED talk about a guy talking about the traits of people who are most successful. And he said, there are two things that every successful person has. They have a superiority complex in that they think they're better than everybody else and that they can do everything better than everybody else and that they're going to beat everybody at everything else. And they also have an inferiority complex where it doesn't matter how much they do. That's never good enough. Right. Yeah. Uh, that hit home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when I heard it hit home too, I go, man, like, yeah, I, I remember, I remember when I became a partner in my law firm, and uh, he, my boss told me that they unanimous, unanimously had had elected me to the partnership, and I went back into my office. I remember sitting there for a brief moment, and being like, "This was the last goal for me for law." Yeah, and I remember sitting there and I thought to myself, "Can I rest now?" And I was like, "Nope." No. no, we're not done. No. I find I find that people who are competitive, people who are strong, people who are successful, it's never enough. No, it's never going to be enough. You you, there's something about overcoming and winning that you just want to do over and over and over. There's something about the climb that is just so so appealing. You got to have a goal. I mean, yeah, I, I'm sitting like at this point, and I've only told one person this. She's going to listen to it and be like, ah. But um, <laughs> I have a goal. I, I set a goal for myself for wrestling that is unattainable, and I'm going to get it. <laughs> um, I have – it's local indie wrestling. I mean, it's still important. But I've held seven heavyweight titles. My number is 20. Mm. 20. 20. There's enough promotions. You could do it. <laughs> yeah, but it's taken me 17 years to get seven. That's true. But I got to tell you, Johnny, let me tell you, I think, especially in the indie scene, like it once the once the uh, once it starts going, it, it goes fast. You know yeah. what I mean? When someone when someone sees someone can draw and someone sees someone can be the guy, everybody wants them to be that guy. Yeah. You know, how many of those seven like how many of them happened in the last half of your career versus the first half? Uh, two since the pandemic ended. The best of the West heavyweight title and the championship. Which I'm <laughs> telling is a heavyweight title because it's literally called the championship. <laughs> it's, it's literally the Hood Slam championship. All right, it, it's, it's arguable that it's even bigger than the Golden Gig. All right, <laughs> which I've held as well. <laughs> right, the first one, by the way, the first one to ever hold that. So, so my my point is, is that you you draw. I mean, it's obvious, right? Everywhere you yeah. go, people come to see you wrestle. So I don't think that's unattainable at all. I mean, you may have to wrestle another 10 years and break <sighs> the process, right? 
Right. I've had two matches back and I always feel that way. I'm like sitting there and I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. And then I get out there and I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> we just lose some of these championships just to get them back. It's, it's, yeah, right. We so hustle the championship all over like seven more times. <laughs> right. So, um, so, so yeah, let's, let's move in a little bit towards wrestling then and talk about that. So, so you, when did you make the transition from baseball to wrestling? This is actually one of my biggest regrets because I took a year and just didn't do anything. I'm like, hmm. it's like one of those things. If you don't do something, it's not going to happen. You got to like actually do it. Yeah. Um, so I was 19 and uh, one of my buddies, um, <clears throat> Brian Raymond, who is uh, just got reelected to his third term here at Atwater City Council. Uh, yeah. I, remember watching, I remember watching Bulldog Brian Raymond wrestle at SP. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so it's him. He's the guy that he's the guy that you guys get get to blame this whole thing for. Um, <laughs> so his his uh, family and my family were good friends, but I'd never met him at the time. Really, I just kind of knew of him. Um, and I remember we're at a Portuguese festival, Gustine, mm. and I just see him there, and I'm like, I had like a couple beers in me. Let's go. Let me go talk to him. Hey man, I don't know if you know who I am. Oh, you're John, right? Yeah. Um, how do I get in the business? Yeah. He's like, we got a ring five miles down the road. See you next Sunday. All right, let's rock and roll. So he got me started with that. And then uh, he ended up getting hurt. Um, he was in a car accident. Mm. And uh, he basically basically took him out of the business. Mm. Um, so he had other things to worry because he wasn't like, I wasn't like in an academy. Mm -hmm. He mm. was just training me like, he trained me in a ring one day. And then uh, we went to the same gym. So, like, I would walk in and I'd see him. And I'm like, let's go in the aerobics room and throw some heat. Mm. You know, like, he would teach me heat. Like, we were literally beating each other up in InShape City. Right. That, okay. That's like how, like, I started training. And I remember, uh, so I went to SPW was when I, I got officially trained. Because Brian brought me to one of the shows. Uh, let me, like, you know, shake hands and everything. Network, whatever. I'm like, hey, I'm so-and-so. Um, and then... uh. They're like, well, have you ever been in the ring? And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of trained by a bulldog. And I'm like, oh, okay. Nice. Like, oh, we're doing heat. I'm like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> I know how to throw heat. So nice. uh, that's, that's kind of how I got started up is, is I was just I literally was trained in a gym. And nice. then I, I started getting trained in the Colonial Theater by Samurai Ugly and uh, eventually uh, Dante, a.k.a. CJ Curse. So nice. those are the guys that got me on. Those are three, three, uh, three pretty, pretty hard guys. <laughs> So they got me in and Bulldog. So yeah. if anyone yeah. has any questions of why everything I throw is snig, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You bring that up. I, I shared this earlier <clears throat> on another podcast. But, uh, yeah, I I knew – I'm proud to say not Samurai, but at least Ugly and, uh, and CJ. Uh, I was there – when they had their first match. So my first pro match was their first pro match at SPW. And Jesus was there, right? Jesus was there too. So okay. funny yeah. Jesus. So I don't know if you know the story about how Jesus and I met. So so we met because I I had a backyard promotion and he had he was involved in a backyard promotion. The, <laughs> original, owner, the original owner of SPW, Rich Roby, contacted was it RCW yeah, that's what his was. That's okay. What okay. Out in so Rich Roby called me 
And he's like, I want you to help me build Sack Pro Wrestling, right? And okay. I go, okay. And he showed, he, I was the first guy, I, I'm proud to say this, I was the first guy to walk into the Colonial Theater with Rich Roby. And he's like, this is where I want to do it. I want to do a monthly. And I was like, cool. So I looked online because I was looking for a ring rental. And I knew like Hustler and Schizo and all these guys who were Jim Cooley, you know, all these old these names. names. Yeah. But like all these guys, I was just like, ah, uh, you know. Like, I like them. I kind of got them involved, too, but I, I didn't want them to be the guys that held the ring. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so so I found RCW, and I talked to Dave Touchstone, who was the guy who ran it. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I go, hey, man, uh, you got a ring. I got a wrestling promotion. We want to do some, you know, why don't we work together? And so I talked to Dave, and we we came down there. It was me and a couple of my backyard guys. And Jim Cooley and Hustler and Big Money and all these guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> we all go down there and they and because I had heard there I'd had other people tell me they had a ring, but it was like a fabe. They didn't have a ring. It was like stakes in the ground with you know stuff. It wasn't Mass. real. Right? So we walk in there. I, I walk in there and it's a legit sixteen ring, sixteen by yeah. sixteen. So I'm like, okay, this will work. So we worked out a deal where I paid for the for the U-Haul, and I. And I was going to transport the ring and we were going to do a show in my backyard the night before we did a show at SPW. And so I got down there and the, the trailer I got was too small. So the, the <laughs> stuff, was, stuff was sticking out the back. Something's got to go wrong. It's a wrestling show. It's an indie wrestling right. show. Right. So we're like, what are we going to do? So Jesus and this guy named Wicked are both like, oh, we'll just sit in the back. <laughs> yeah, it's been forever, right? I haven't seen him in probably 15, 20 years. So they say they say we'll just we'll just hang out in the back, and I'm like, uh, are you sure? Like that sounds kind of dangerous. And hey, Zeus is just like, hey man, I got yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> man. So, so here's the thing, this is funny is that we drive all the way back. Rich Roby and I drive all the way back, and we get to my backyard, right? And I open up the back, smoke everywhere. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> it's Jesus and Wicked, eyes red as can be. He's like, he's like, hey man. Hey, man. Let's set up the ring. <laughs> so, so we all we all set up the ring, and yeah. So Jesus, big ugly Dante wasn't in my backyard, but I did not know at the time that Ugly had not had a match because he looked legit like a pro. Like out of all yeah. of us, he looked like a legit pro and could work. You know yeah, what I mean? Because he was an rest, AEW at the time, right? The rest of us were all backyard guys, right? Like I was the one with the most training, and I had about two months total, right? So yeah. it was not. I was not fully trained either. And uh, but he went in there and looked like a million bucks. He hit a blockbuster that was like beautiful. Crowd pops like crazy. And I'm like, oh man. And then at SPW, you know, like Hustler was working, Joe Ap Pogo yeah. was working. And uh, and I worked a match with big money, didn't go great. Sorry, big money. <laughs> I was green. Uh, Outlaw was there. The guy who runs Next Level, he was there. Uh, Rob Wilds was there, you know. So, yeah. uh, but funny story, Ugly came out and worked. I can't remember the name of the guy he worked, but they blew the house down. Right? I mean, they just blew up everybody. It was a sold yeah. out, blew it out of the water. Then Dante works with this guy named Professor Poindexter. And it was I remember him. Dude, okay. he was great. They were both yeah. great. But Cooley, so Jim Cooley was running the book, the book, right? He did not like that Ugly and Dante and all those guys were involved. He wanted it to just be his guys, right? Yeah. So 
Dante goes out there and has a match. Two minutes in, he's telling the ref to take it home. And, of course, you know how CJ would have worked with that, right? CJ so just, 27. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> match, right? and it's going well. He's not going to go home. So, <laughs> so he spent – it was a 15-minute match. Crowd went wild. Dante comes to the back. Cooley looks at him and goes, look, man, good match. Like, And Cooley was trying to be cool about it. Yeah. But he's like, good match. But when a booker tells you to go home, you need to go home. And Dante, I won't repeat what he said. <laughs> I already know what he said. But it wasn't nice. And, and I wasn't got, there. I was in high school when this happened. Yeah. <laughs> I already know what happened. And he got thrown out. He they 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 threw him out. And ugly to his to ugly's uh benefit, he told Dante, get out of here. Right? Like yeah. go home. Not smart. Get out. Just wash the hands uh, tonight. <laughs> Yeah, and so and they tried to kick Ugly out, and Ugly's like, I have nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, well, you know, it's not my fault. Yeah, and so anyway, it became a big thing in the heat. And I remember Cooley coming to me. He'll deny this, but Cooley came up to me and was like, "So you think I did the right thing?" And I'm like, "I don't know, man. I, I, it seems like you had a good match. I don't know, you know." And then yeah. that was over. Probably and, the long uh, one to kick out. But yeah, and so anyway, the house down. Yeah, yeah, right. And so and, and like Cooley looked like. Can be a nice guy, could not be a nice guy, but his work, I mean, you know, wasn't that great. So, so anyway, that that's the story of how I knew those guys, and <laughs> and uh, and anyway, yeah, I went on a mission. Like I had like three or four shows with SPW. Went on a mission, came back, and by the time I came back, Ugly had taken over. Yeah. Dante was a star, you know. They, those guys were running the place um, and doing a great job with it. And uh, and I was young and brash, and I just thought like. I was just, you know, I thought I was going to come back in and be like back in with the stuff and yeah, ugly was having a hard time. Ugly was having a hard time with APW. Everyone was, you know, in all these different places. Oh so yeah, cool. that's right before when I showed up about because that was like the big thing. I'm like, oh, we don't like APW. I'm like, I only heard of SPW two months ago. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't care, dude. Yeah, well, my <laughs> I don't know any of this. The I first water. Do <laughs> you know where that even is? And like Frost is like, I do. Like Frost, yeah. I didn't knew where I at least like you're traveling all the way from Outwater, right? The train? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, my family's in Merced. You're crazy, dude. Dude, the, the thing like, that's the thing that was funny about that though was that the first, like the first show, eh, maybe not the first. I think it was the second show. One of those shows, it was right after uh, Beyond the Mad had come out, right? Yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt. <laughs> yeah. And and Cooley was right. He had like one sentence in there. We was snitching on Jake. Uh, on the Jake the Snake, where he's like, he it it in, if I didn't it, all right. He's he he has one sentence in there, and it's basically like, Jake told me that if I didn't buy him crack, he was gonna kill me, and like that's the only line he had, and so, but he rode that like crazy, from beyond the mat, Jim Cooley. Yeah. So but anyway, but Richard brought the APW guys in for the show, and. uh I didn't, it was like Boyce Legrand was there and Jardy France and a couple other guys. Jardy Hardy. Yeah. And they were, and they were, I didn't understand like what the hatred was. You know what I mean? Because the guys were good. Roland seemed perfectly fine. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he got along with Rich real well. All the guys seemed really good. But yeah, there was all this hate. And so when I came back and saw that the hate was continuing, I was like, I'm just going to start my own thing. And yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, but yeah, that was fun. I, I one of the one of the regrets I had was that I never got to work ugly. Like, yeah. 
And so yeah. I talked to him recently. I'm like, we got to get that match happening, man. And he and so I'm hoping one day. I know this is like probably his last year. Yeah. And so yeah. <laughs> He's two, first two. Yeah. <laughs> so but, anyway, uh, back, back, back to you. So so you did you start working SPW then? That was your first stuff, your first stop in wrestling. Yeah, so I was training there, and uh, what's funny, I only trained for three months, and they were like, get in the ring. Yeah. But but again, I'd already been training for like two months prior to that. Sure. So, like, you know, it looked like I was a prodigy, but really, I'm like, no, I'm about where I need to be, but y'all just, right. just met me, you know? <laughs> Hi. Right. Um, no, I, I started with them, um, and we did, um, I just did a battle royal. Of course, you debuted a battle royal. As a, a stupid mask character, the Crimson Plague, which we came up with in about five seconds. We're like, here, throw this on. I'm like, well, what's my gimmick? I don't know. Why don't you be the red mask? I'm like, why don't you be the crimson mask? Why don't you be the red plague? Crimson plague, got it. Get out there, see you, kids. <laughs> which it, it's one of those gimmicks that was supposed to have happened one time and it ended up getting booked. Like, hey, we got a lucha show. Bring your mask and crimson plague. I'm like, the crimson plague <laughs> like i don't even want to be it so it's like whenever like i've transferred this gimmick onto other people now like where i'm like throw it on you're the crimson plague dude you're fighting me so i can deny ever being it and it's, you know, it's become kind of a joke too but like when i when i had my first match without a mask and derevko he gives me a hard time from this still my name was righteous john Riker. oh nice yeah <laughs> Nice. And it was at a place called the Pig's Pub in Oroville. I think it was Oroville. Oh. It's an outdoor back patio of a bar. Who was running it, that? Huh? Who was running that show? Brian Cage. Oh, nice. That was like yeah, Brian Cage was the first guy to ever book me. Um, nice. So we're doing the match. It's me and Frost as a tag team. We're the Honor Society against um, Mike and Cass Hayashi. Well, they weren't, I don't think they were, they definitely weren't married yet. Um, but this was when Hayashi was still doing the the the, the crossdresser character, if you remember that. Which that's <laughs> like some people would be like, "Oh, I forgot about that." Juicely, <laughs> I got it. that. You know, there there's some material right there. Let's just show pictures of Juice Lee. Like, like, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so it's us, and then so the show it's outdoors, and um, it's September, I believe, but it's like getting like, as as you know, indie shows never work. Sure. The way they're supposed to. Yeah. Someone went long. Someone went long. Someone went long. Right. This is my first actual match. It's outside and it's dark. Oh, man. Yeah. And so everyone in the match is wearing black except Hayashi because he's on the rainbow skirt and all that still. Right. Um, and then some genius fan, I'll solve the problem drives their pickup truck up to the ring and slams on the high beams. Oh, man. Now there's shadows being projected right. into the ring. I'm green. I've never had a match. <laughs> and I know the finish is I got to come off the top of the crossbody. Nice. Ended up working well, but it's, uh, yeah. And then my third match, well, people was with Tim Thatcher. Oh, so wow. It's been, it's it's been match. an interesting thing. Yeah. Thatcher's I booked him. I think I booked him twice and gave him game with Oliver John. And I'm so glad oh. I did. those matches were 
those matches are so much fun. I always, when I did SWF, you know, I always did things that I thought to myself, I go, what are, what would be a match that I would want to see if yeah. I'm, you know, and what is it that other people aren't doing? And I was really proud of the fact that I gave guys like you and Dutra, Dutra, especially, you know, nobody was booking him as a, as a headliner. Top guy. Yeah. And I saw him and I go, I don't understand why he's not better. You know, he's not great for 15 years. Right. Right. And so I just said, let's, let's put him in there and, and, uh, and it worked so well. And so I was really proud that I was the guy who kind of got guys like you out there, got him out there. The commandos were kind of already out there, but getting them out yeah. there and seeing these things, this is, I mean, I put my show together before hood slam even became a thing. And, and, uh, but then also it was so cool to see these guys who I really cared about and wanted to see go to hood slam, you included, and just, yeah. and then, blow that up to the proportions that I always envisioned that wrestling in Northern California could, be. could go. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you were a part of that. So uh, I, I still like every time I do an interview or even tell people about this, I, I still, again, it's been almost 13 years now and I still don't know how we did this. Yeah, like, I do, but I don't. Sure. If that makes sense. Again, it's that thing you're talking about. You're not you're not pleased with it, but you're super confident. Well, when I, when talking with Sheik, because we spent a long time together and we talked a lot about Hood Slam, and, and Sheik is incredibly as the leader of what you guys were doing was incredibly smart. Yeah, because she knew that you know they had you had something there, and knew that you know like the accidental phenomenon, like that was not an accident that she used that. You know what I mean? She she was very smart with the marketing of it. No, I came up with that, by the way. <laughs> nice. I'm not yeah. gonna let that one. I, I, yes, I, yes. I heard Paul Heyman one time say, uh, or not Paul Heyman, uh, Gabe Sapolsky say when he was talking to Paul Heyman um, when he was working with him with ECW, he asked Paul, he's like, "How is it that you've made this so successful?" And he said, "When everyone else is zigs, I zag." And that's exactly what Hood Slam did. You guys did all the all the things like you're not supposed to do. You did them. You it's know like what I mean. A Giants fan when your whole family is a Dodger fan. Right, right. <laughs> but but the, but that works, right? It works for ECW. It works yeah. for Hood Slam. It works for uh, the Young Bucks. You know, yeah. stealing all the '90s moves, doing the NWO thing with the Bullet Club, calling it the Bullet Club when everyone's like, you can't call it Bullet Club. You can't be got guns. You know. We'll just do and, <laughs> right, and they just do everything they're not supposed to do, and it gets over. Oh yeah. yeah, and so, um, but uh, tell me about. I think it's interesting the timing too of Hood Slam because if you think about it, all of you guys. This is my observation, not ever really being a part of Hood Slam, just watching it as a guy who promoted wrestling, was that you guys all had been working now uh, probably over five years. All of all of the main players, basically, yeah. Yeah, but none of you had ever really – no one had ever believed in giving any of you guys the ball and letting you run with it. No, other than Alexis Derevko. I will say that. Derevko did. Derevko did yeah. big time for a lot of us. So I still would say, does, by the way. Yeah, and that's the thing about Derevko. Like, I, I, he's the guy – he's the first guy I met in wrestling. Like, the first guy, other than Ollie, who was our trainer. But he yeah. was – First day, first day I was there at training school, he was there. And then and then Outlaw came in after that. But say what you want about I know Derevko sometimes rubs some people the wrong way. But I'll tell you, you what. 
<laughs> and the thing is, is I don't know of anybody who gave more dudes and, and women really more yeah. opportunities than him. And, and he doesn't need to do it. He just does it. Yeah, know? absolutely. No, if, if like we were talking about, like, I want to get my 20th heavyweight title. Guess where my first one was? Yeah. Right. The rest of the yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, as far as like when Hood Slam started, no, it was it was always the, the thing was like, I think a lot of us were just fed up with the business. Sure. A lot of us were just like, we're getting paid 20 bucks to do some stupid like 28 man tag match that we don't care about for a promotion that we don't care about and knowing we're going to be back here next month doing the same thing. Right. We didn't care. Mm-hmm. Like hood slam, like, like when it was kind of like pitched to me, it was just like, to me, it was like a party, but there's going to be a ring and there's going to be matches. Right. It's, it, to me, it was a party with a booking meeting. Right. At first. And then it was like, that was a lot of fun. Were you going to do this again? Yeah. And then we did it again. And then eh, I didn't do so well the second show. The third show, what was, and then this is part of the accidental phenomenon. The third show, we had like six cancellations like mm. last minute. And to the point, the entire booking sheet rebooked the entire show the day of. Mm. And that was the show where it was like, Oh wow, we got something here. Hmm. Like we all knew it. And I mean, there was like 40, 50 people in the crowd. And then the next show it doubled. Hmm. Now we're like, okay. And then at that time, you remember this. If you did like 70 people for a show, that was considered a good night. Yeah. Yeah. Back I remember I remember a show, the, the couple of the shows I drew like two or three hundred, and yeah. everyone lost their mind. I mean, everyone lost oh, yeah. their mind. Anniversary show. 148 yeah. people. Woo! best night ever but right. that's the way it was and then it, it got bigger and bigger until the point where it was it was we couldn't fit the fans in the building anymore we had right. to open the gates so the people were watching the show in the parking lot just because we couldn't fit them anymore right the victory warehouse i don't think you've ever been there no i never if, got if, from where i'm sitting right here next to my computer to my bedroom wall through my den here, that's about as big the victory warehouse is. Not big. You should not be able to put 200 people in there. You right. probably, actually, we probably shut them down. Right, right. <laughs> Fire codes were broken for sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. But uh, just that whole, like, and then, and then, like, we started, like, caring again. Yeah. Like, we found something we liked and we were told it was wrong. It's like, actually, we got 200 people. Y'all got 47. Yeah, you're wrong. I remember having some conversations with some of the other promoters and, you know, some people were all for it and then some people weren't. Yeah. But the ones who weren't and, and, you know, the ones who weren't to me were the ones that, that it seemed more like jealousy to me. Like they were mad because they couldn't draw. And yeah. they're like, it's more like I've been doing this for 15 years in the same building for every, you know, every month. And, you know, That's your problem. The, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, exactly. I feel like wrestling, you guys, you guys were able to do it. But I feel like wrestling, doing it that way, sometimes people were asking me, they're like, you need to be in the same place once a month so people know. And I was like, ah, I feel like wrestling needs to be more like the circus has come into town. You yeah. know what I mean? You, it's not always there. It, it's a more of an event. Yeah. And, but, yeah, when you guys did your thing, it, you know, I remember someone saying, like, oh, you know, like, 
that's you know they're they're killing the business and we go isn't the, isn't the purpose I was like no, we're killing your business right I well I I said it goes isn't the purpose of the business to draw money isn't if the they're the business to do business right I was like if they're drawing money how how is that killing the business and the thing that's interesting I do I do credit Hood Slam for making business better for everyone in in California I, I ran shows. I've I've ran shows in California since Hood Slam has come on, and I have yet to have a show where at least five, ten fans weren't wearing some sort of Hood Slam linked merchandise. The whole territory. Yeah. Like I hate the term territory, but you know what I'm saying? Like as soon as that happened, like everyone else started drawing. Yeah. Because yeah. like our fans would go to the shows and be like, Well, who are these people? And and like social media is look us up on social media. And I'm like, oh, there's there's this show and there's this yeah. show. Oh, well, especially well, Slam's another month away. Let's go to that one. Right. Especially in the Bay, right? Because if you have oh, a yeah. show in Brooklyn, but you can go to you can go to Hayward and and do a show or Pacifica and see a show. Well, you got people going to Sacramento. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. seen Hood Slam fans go like to Bakersfield. Sure. Sure. And then hell, I'll give you a straight up example. Thunder Rosa started as a Hood Slam fan. Right. I'll give you a big example. Yeah. 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 I, I hear you. It's, it's, um, I, I've, so me personally, my, I didn't go to a Hood Slam show. I was actually talking to Sheik about this. I didn't go to a, a Hood Slam show until it was already in the metro and you guys were already selling a thousand people. Yeah. And so I went, uh, with a friend. Uh, I actually went with the Revco and, and Big Money. We came together with the three of okay, us. Okay. Nice. And we, we walk in. Big, big fan favorite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know what I thought was funny about the show was, like, I didn't know how I was going to be received because I'm Mormon. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do any sort of drugs, anything like that. Yeah. And I knew that, you know, pot is stoner humor. There's a lot of party going on, the blueberry pancakes thing. You know, I knew all about all of that. So I was like, you know, I wonder what they're going to think about a Mormon guy coming in you know and and so i came in and i actually met uh, i won't say who just because i don't you know want to give her out but but one of the workers came up to me and she's like i hear you're mormon and i go yeah. and she's like i actually used to be a mormon i was like wow yeah. are you serious she's like yeah i grew up mormon it's like i don't go anymore but I, you know I, and, I, and i was like wow and we kind of talked about it and connected a little bit and then everybody around me i mean there were people who were transgendered there there were people who were gay there were people who were you know uh, punk rockers there were all sorts of different people and Everybody was nice to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it just everyone everyone was cool. And I just go, you know what? This is how life is supposed to be. Oh yeah. You know? And uh and so it was a lot of fun. And then I and then I came in to a Sacramento show and I got to see this this I told you, I think I told you at our last when we were saw each other, I I went to Sacramento and saw the Sanctum of Silence match. Was it me and I think it was you and Shanari? Yeah. Well it had to be Shanari. Well, I think it was the first one because I remember the twins were super excited about it because it was getting over. And so, because I, I remember hearing it, hearing the rules, and I'm like, how's this going to work? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, but it worked perfectly. It was just, it, for those who don't know, a Sanctum of Science yes. match, the idea is, is that it's a match where neither wrestler can make a sound. Whoever makes this first sound loses. Yeah. <laughs> And Richard Scenari is a librarian. That's why it's the Sanctum of Silence. So here's here's a funny story about that match. If it was the one you saw, but I know I did wrestle him there in that building. Um, and I was, it was, I remember it was during summer, 
So I was in summer vacation mode. So I was already, you know, we can be Tobby's doubt, having a good right. little time because Mike Green was always the guy with the wheel man. And then uh, so so we get there and I'm already got a nice little buzz going. And then, uh, oh, yeah, it's going to be you and Shanaria's Sanctum of Silence match. I'm like, oh, cool. And we blast. And I'm just kind of, I'm just going to the bar. I think I buying drinks with Ugly or whatever I'm doing. You know, I'm having a good time. I'm like, ah, oh, it's summer vacation. I got his hood slam. Yada, yada, yada. Finally see Shanaria about an hour before the match. Hey, what do I do out there? I'm like, eh, we'll call it in the ring. <laughs> you can't call it in the ring. <laughs> but he still tells that story because I would just be giving him Iggy's. Like during the match, he's like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Like I would I would go to like the middle rope and there was like a chair or something in the ring. It's probably his book. His book is in the ring. And like I get up on the top rope and I kind of go like. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got it. He's like, oh, yeah. He actually told me that story earlier this year. Nice. Um, it reminded me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess we did do that. But yeah, we called it in the ring in the Sanctum of Silence match. Yeah, that's that was so much fun. It's a great time. Um, now back to you. Um, so so you you transitioned kind of away from, and I don't know the exact chronology, but you you were initially Johnny Plinko. You moved yeah. to Johnny Drinko, and then eventually to Johnny Butabi. And you're kind of known. I mean, you're kind of known, Johnny. Johnny Drinko, Johnny Butabi is known for the party lifestyle. And I know you like, you know, you, you do partake. You are, you are, John Martin is, is a bit of a partaker uh, himself, but talk to me about the gimmick and, and how it came about and why you like that one. Oh, I'll go from the start, I guess. So the whole uh, Johnny Plinko thing. So when I started training um, and I told this story last week, I think people thought I quit after the first day, even though I did a pretty good job. I didn't tell nobody because at the time I didn't have no one's number. First mm -hmm. off, because I just, it was my first day. Uh, I had tickets to the price is right. Oh, nice. So I didn't come to training the next week because I was in LA uh, watching Bob Barker. Right. And, and doing all that, um, which is kind of unrelated, but even my, my grandparents, well, if they were living, they would tell you, but my, my parents always tell that like my, my I like baseball and I like the prices right when I was like real little. Right. So I was like, oh, like my like my grandma would come on walking down the hallway and say, Oh, grandma, come on down. You know, I'd be doing stuff like that. Sure. And so uh again, I told you about righteous John Riker. And Johnny Martin isn't the best wrestling name. I've always said that is a guy that drives a NASCAR or he's the third string second baseman. Right. When you hear that name, you put that on a flyer, people aren't gonna be like, oh. Yeah, I don't want to see him. Uh, so I knew I needed to come up with something, and I remember I was kind of down on my luck at a time, um, unemployed, not doing anything. All I really did was I would I would go to my parents' house. I still had my apartment. I'd go to my parents' house and I'd watch the prices right. That was like that one thing that like made me happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like Johnny Plinko. I walk out to the music. Easy. Sure. Easy. Problem is with uh, characters, there's a shelf life to them. Sure. I can only do so many Johnny Plinko things. If I'm getting sick of doing them, I'm pretty sure the fans are. Right. Because I was doing like my yodeler elbow, mm. the, the, the spin the wheel, the, all this and the other. And I'm like, okay, I don't even want to do this no more. Right. Like even the fans are kind of popping, but I'm like, I don't want to do it no more. 
So what happened was when I was in when I was in middle school, me and my buddy Miles, we dressed up as uh, the Butabi brothers mm. for Halloween for Halloween. Uh -huh. So the, I'm like, dude, let's go to the Halloween dance as as the the Knights of the Rock. Or, I don't even know the name yet. I was like, as this, and like the whole time I'm thinking this would be a cool tag team. Like if they were just called the Knights of the Roxbury. Right. They're literally just the Butabi guys. Yeah. And then I remember at the Fat Cat Modesto, I tell Sheik about this, like, because I think it was her birthday or something. Right. Or Jared. It was probably Jared's actually when I think about it, the time of year it was. So we're having a good time. And I bring that up just randomly out of nowhere. It's like cool. And then like Months later, hey, we're doing the show called Hood Slam. You down? I'm like, yeah, I'm down. Cool. You and River doing the Butabi thing. What? Oh, the Roxbury thing. She says the Roxbury thing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I guess we're Anthony and Johnny Butabi because that's their names. Right. And so I'm doing the match and I'm had, I got into character. <laughs> <laughs> I got into character big time that night with an entire fifth of ancient age to myself. <laughs> um rough one but uh we're doing the match and because the night before was double mountain where johnny plinko was the heavyweight champion some people in the crowd started chanting johnny drinko mm. and i'm like okay okay well that makes sense but i'm still johnny butabi mm. but but like there I, I don't know how many people have seen me wrestle that have no clue why i'm called drinko yeah, because they've never seen Plinko, and I've, I've erased the Plinko character for like seven, eight years now. Right. So it's, it's just, it just, it was like one of those things where I'm like, well, I was only Plinko and like promotions that are either dead, or I don't even want to even acknowledge anymore. Right. So why don't I just get rid of that? I'm doing it at Hood Slam and Best of the West, which is where I'm better known as. Sure. I'm just gonna stick with it there. Like, and then if, if like anyone else wants to pick me up, like, now I'm Johnny Butabi now. Well, also, uh, you've you've done the gimmick. Well, you got a couple other gimmicks now. You you do the big leaguer. That's this yes. one. I think it it sounds like that's more a one of those turn you up to eleven type uh, type gimmicks. Even though you came up with Butabi and Drinko and others, it might be a portion of your personality. Yeah, absolutely. But but this sounds like the one that's really you turned up. Which one, Butabi? Well, they're all Butabi. The big the big leaguer. The big leaguer. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I mean, um, yeah, no, it's, it's like I said, like I needed a better name. Yeah. But I, yeah. but the guy was there. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's like, I have to have, even, even, I don't know, Johnny, would talk, well, I've created a, a recognizable image at this point, I guess, of like John Martin would draw, you know, mm -hmm. and John Martin does draw when you do shows in Atwater. Like right. I, like I guess I wrestled, a friend I've had since the eighth grade in a main mm -hmm. event who had never wrestled <laughs> and we drew 400 people. Right. You right. know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, no, I think the big leaguer it's, it's, it's good. And, and then like a lot of these characters, I mean, Drinko is easy to do. I don't have sure. to think of me Drinko because it's best if I'm not. Right. <laughs> so it's, if I just go out there and then, uh, like the last match that uh, I had, um, Knights of the Roxbury return. What are we doing? Oh, it's a street fight. See you out there. 
Yeah. <laughs> Street Fighter Brewery, we got this one. No big deal. Um, now, the big leaguers, it, it's good. I don't, I don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. But all these characters I have have similarities and differences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the big leaguer, like, it's it's just me being, being Kenny Powers. To an extent, but then it's not hard for me to do that when, in real life, Kenny Powers was a middle school PE teacher, former ball player. Right. Here we are. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And now you're doing a pirate gimmick. Well, that's a. How did that that's come a new story? That's a. That's a. That whole thing happened entirely by accident. Hmm. So Sheik hits me up, or not hits me up, just uh, in like our, our uh, hood slam. We have like a little group chat, mm-hmm. basically, so we don't have to do booking meetings. Type right. Of. We're gonna introduce this thing called a champion. Ship. We're not going to tell no one it is. We're just going to say there's going to be a new championship. We're not going to write it because if we write it, you could see that it's a champion ship. Right. We're just saying there's a new championship. And I'm thinking, oh, I hit her up. I'm like, oh, I got the, um, I still got the Jack Sparrow um, costume. I'll, I'll, I'll ref the finals. Mm. That was all I wanted to do. And then she's like, no, 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 no. Or it was, it was like one of those things where, where it was kind of explained, like, well, that'll ruin the surprise, which made sense. Hmm. And somehow, one way or another, it was just like, yeah, we're doing a tournament. Johnny's winning. I'm like, I'm a pirate now. <laughs> and this is like one of those characters. I had no confidence in it. No, I literally had no confidence in it at first. And I was actually like one or two nights ago. I was watching some of the first matches I did with it. Mm-hmm. It's not there. Mm. Like it's, it's, you could see it's not there, but then you watch the last few. I found it. Right. Like, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I got to do it right. Okay. What could I do? Okay. So I'm going to wear a hook during my matches and I'm going to hook the leg. <laughs> I can hit the ropes. With my opponents on the top rope and rock the boat. They fall down. Right. What else can I do? Like all these other uh, little puns or just character traits. Well, my name is Johnny. Well, the Roxbury Bottom is now called the Johnny Depths. Mm. <laughs> nice. The, the, the walk-off elbow that the big leader does is now the walk off the plank. Nice. So it's like you kind of like, I'm like, okay, now I'm like. Now okay, you're in. I found this. I found this one now. Like I can't wait to do it again because I thought like. The joke was always that if you win the championship, you become a pirate. It mm. makes you become a pirate just because you're holding it. Mm. And now it's like, because we want to, originally I thought it was going to be a hot potato. Right. Like, be kind of funny, like, oh, let's see what happens when Cereal Man is, is the champ. It'll be Captain Crunch. Or something <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> like, and now it's like, oh, boy, I'm probably going to be holding this thing for a while. Right. <laughs> That's kind of like the consensus right now, is it? You're gonna have to hold that thing for a while, and, I, and and when I lose it, I'm probably getting it right back just to get the gimmick over that I came back as Drinko and went mm-hmm. right back to the captain. But I I don't know what the plan is, but I'm I'm like, this has like been one of the most uh, surprising and and fun things. Like like I've like I, I feel like I've actually added something else that like people will be like, you know, if I'm lucky enough to be here in 20 years, yeah, people will still be like. 
you remember when you were a pirate? I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> that was a you blast. It's <laughs> interesting about wrestling, and this is what I, what I love, is there's so so many things that people don't understand about how things, they're, they're, they're the best when they organically happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when, when things that you didn't come up with or you didn't think about, like, I really didn't think, like you said, when you came into SWF, I was just like, hey, I have this idea of what I want to do. You worked at the Tonga Kid and you worked, uh, I can't remember who the other guy was. You I, read, I worked at Revco. Derevco and the Tonga Kid. And then I was in the ladder match. Right. And then, yeah. And so I was just sitting there and I was like, you know, I don't, it's like, what am I going to do with him? You know, how do I do this? And I, I remember thinking, I was like, okay, you're going to be Johnny Plinko, then you're going to be Wani Plinko, you know, and all this stuff, and, you know, trying to pretend like you're trying to, because the idea for everybody who doesn't know, the idea was, is I was doing a, a ladder match where the gimmick was, it was people from different countries. International. The international ladder match where everybody from different countries would work. And then there'd be a, an SWF flag at the top of whoever got it would get a championship shot later on down the road. And uh, the idea was we had, of course, the American guy was uh, was Jody Christofferson, and he was he looked like a million bucks at the time. So I was like, I need, I, I like want to, yeah, great guy. Yeah, was like, yeah, he's a great guy. And I was like, okay, so Chris Christofferson's son, actually, which is what's, what's so interesting, and um, but he would never tell you that. You know he what's was, funny? You know what's funny is I thought that was a gimmick. I thought I was like, oh, that's a great gimmick. You're acting like you're Chris Christofferson's son, and I'm like, then he has like pictures on Facebook, like. Well, he's actually Christopher Sarfson's son. <laughs> yeah, I really well, thought I was like, oh man, I, I might be just Johnny Cash, you know. But, yeah, <laughs> you know what the, the funny story about him was was that um, I had heard this, so it's anecdotal. I don't know if it's one hundred percent true, but when he went for his tryout, you know, Triple H had done I think one of the Blade movies with Chris Christopherson. Yes, and Blade so, Three, Trinity. Yeah, so Jody met Triple H and didn't tell him that I'm Chris Christopherson's son. And it was actually Jim Ross who told Triple H that's Chris Christopherson's son. So Triple H came up to him and said to him, like, how come you didn't tell me? And he just said, because well, I I want to get here on my name. You yeah, know? absolutely. And I, huge respect for that, right? I mean. Yeah, because he, he never dropped that. Like I said, I, I knew him for a year before I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, he never he he was so humble about that. But anyway, the, but it was it was so organic when you came in because. It, it really got over. You got it over. And I said, let's let's use this again. Let's see what we can do with it. And everything you did was so fun. And so um, now the back to this mindset thing I want to talk about, because like I said, you know, yeah. uh, a lot of the a lot of the people who are listening, there might be some people who are having hard times, but none of them got their fingers cut off in the in their prime. We well, don't know that. Oh, well, that's true. Maybe. <laughs> But, but I mean, I yeah. think the reason I say this is um, I, I traditionally send off. Uh, I was supposed to have this week. I was supposed to have a motivational speaker come on, and I asked some questions, and um, but then he canceled, and I didn't have it up very long. But I got one question, and it was actually from me, and it really frustrated me because I don't know if frustrate is the best word for it, but they said something along the lines of because I try to be very motion motivational, you know, on yeah. Facebook and all those things, and. And he and the person said I, they're all anonymous, so I'm not going to say who it was. But the person said, <clears throat> "You know, Josh, you go on here, and you always talk about how you can do anything, and how anybody can do anything they want if you just put your mind to it. And you know, you talk about mindset, but you don't know my story. You know, you don't understand my story and the things that I've gone through. And you know, it's really it hurts me. It's frustrating for me that you you come on here as a rich white guy 
telling me that, you know, when you have all these advantages, when you essentially you don't know my story. Right. Yeah. And and it really bothered me because I was like, you know, you don't know my story. No. You know, like, I, yes, you're seeing the end result of 20 years of bone crushing, soul searching work is what you're seeing now. I didn't come from a fancy family. Like my family was lower middle class, upper lower class, maybe, you know, yeah. my dad, you know, had issues with drugs for a long time. Clean now has been for 25 years. Great man, struggled, you know, struggled. And that really put a damper on me. I had a lot of things that, you know, there wasn't a lot of financial backing. I had a lot of support. My mom and my dad were very supportive of all the things I wanted to do, but financially it wasn't there. And so it just, I kind of, and then I had another, I had a conversation with somebody else who was having a real struggle. And I just, you know, I, I kept thinking about this person and I was like, you know what? Like, you don't know my story. The last three or four years for me have been pretty nightmarish. You know what I mean? Like I've yeah. had a lot of yeah. really, really hard times, but like, I mean, I wouldn't wish with some of the things I've gone through over the last three or four years on my worst enemy, but I've also had some of the greatest successes of my life in that exact same time. Yeah. And so you can't control what happens to you, but you can choose whether you get up in the morning or not, you know? Oh, yeah. So when my alarm goes off at 4.45 in the morning, like greater than 50% of the time, I don't want to get up. I just do. You got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is, is that if you just sit there, that time is going to pass. Like one day, your depression, your anxiety, the rough times, you've seen this, they're going to pass. And you're, and if, you're, if you don't do anything in that time, if you let that situation control you, you're in the exact same spot when you come out of it that you were when you got in. Or worse. Worse. I, I'd say worse because you're getting passed up by everybody else. And it's right. like people say, people say, you don't know my story. Well, first off, I didn't ask. Right. People right. need to understand that, like, your your victimhood, your rough times, those are yours. It don't matter to me. Maybe it does if I care about you or not. And I'm, I'm not an uncaring person. But you got to understand that, like, I'm not going to, what do you want me to do? Give me $3 million? Like, I don't have it. What do you want right. me to do? Like, you right. got to kick out. If you don't kick out, you're going to get kicked down. That is the point. And the way I've always said it, I've always said this, and I know you've seen me post this, the story ends one way. Right. And if the story hasn't ended yet, if I haven't won yet, the story isn't over yet. Yeah, That's exactly. the way I live. And, like, if you don't have that mindset, you're going to be defeated your whole life. Right. I've actually, you know, I've talked about that with, with some people. They've have, They've said things like, you know, well, you know, maybe you can do that, but, you know. I, you know, I don't think, you know, you don't know my capability. And I'm like, well, you, then you've already lost. Then you don't, you didn't show it. Yeah. You didn't even try. I mean, uh, there's, it's a, it's a silly adage. I know people have heard it. It's tired, but it's true. You know, the greatest, you know, the greatest failures, or maybe this isn't exactly the way it is, but, but, you know, I would rather have tried and failed than not tried at all. Like, you know, how many dreams have been lost because they didn't even try? I agree. Yeah, I have, I've always said that the greatest voice we have ever heard has never been heard. That's right. the only thing. Like when I was very, I'm like, who is who's the greatest singer of all time? It's probably like Bob Smith. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, you who know? just for just out of fear or out of sadness, like you know, th- this conversation I had with somebody, mm-hmm. um, 
just a couple of days ago, uh, they were in a real, real tough spot. And, and, uh, you know, but I, I, I just said the same thing. I go, you know what? Like, I know you have depression. I know you have anxiety and I'm not talking about somebody who has like a chemical imbalance, depression. That's a different animal, you know, who chemically has depression. I'm talking about situational depression. Yeah. It's my life. Right. And I just, and I said, I go, listen, like, there's always there's always going to be a reason to be sad. Everybody I know is depressed. <laughs> Everybody I know has moments of anxiety. Everyone gets sad. Everyone gets down. Everyone gets nervous. The thing that separates the winners and the losers are the ones who can keep going even when they're sad, even yeah. when they're nervous, even it when. It isn't easy. What's that? It, it really isn't easy. It, it's it's. I mean, like Rocky always said, nothing hits harder in life, right? Right. It's, it's it's just a fact like you gotta you gotta just go with it i mean you just gotta do it i mean it's rough i mean there's rough times i'll, I'll tell you right now in 2020 things got dark for yeah. me personally and and i don't want to talk too much about it I'll, I'll just actually you know what i will talk about it i tried to break my own fist hmm. on my wall because i just didn't care like i wanted to go to the hospital just to get out of my house hmm. It got bad. It got mm-hmm. real bad. I mean, I was drinking. Um, I had I had a collection of bottles. I literally would throw a bottle, plastic bottle, mm-hmm. in the corner of my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Once I finished it, from March to June, we got to thirty, maybe wow. forty. Wow! I drank. I don't know how many gallons worth of vodka and rum, mm-hmm. and I didn't care. Yeah. I was, I mean, it got to the point where, where you're looking, you're looking forward to not looking forward to nothing. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. But then, but then you just, you, but what did I do at two in the afternoon? I was throwing weights. I was still yeah. doing it. But if it, it's, it, it gets tough. It really does. I mean, yeah. Mental health is no joke. And I've learned that more and more the last like 10, seven, whatever years. It's, yeah. it, it beats you down harder than anything else. Yeah. Especially now. I have a, you know, I had a, I took my son to a Kings game, like I said, on Wednesday. And we had a long conversation. There's a lot of stuff going on in our, you know, personal lives. And, you know, he's 16 years old trying to figure out is, you know, where he wants to go. Meanwhile, all this other stuff is going on. And so we, you know, he was asking me just about everything you could think of, you know, family history, life, you know why certain people are the way they are mental health issues you know girls we talked about everything and and the thing that was what was i tried to explain to him is i was like you know i have you know we talked about my dad you know we talked about the the issues that he had and how struggle it was yeah. and i told him i go dude i gotta tell you all those years that i was mad at him for what he did now that i'm 41 years old and i got kids and I, you know, and I have responsibilities and I see, I have a much different perspective of what he was going through. You know, yeah. when you, age brings perspective. And so I, try, I told him, I go, your, your life, as you get older, things are just going to get, this may sound dark, but progressively harder. Like, oh, it is. Life gets complicated. People, you can't control people's actions. People are, people closest to you will do things to you to hurt you. Yeah just happen you can't control people but what you the only thing you can control is you've got goals you've got things don't let 
anybody stop you. My son, my son wants to be a, a musician. He's a great guitarist. He's in he's an honor choir. Real great. He's he's talented. So I told him, I go, the lawyer in me wants to tell you, go to college, figure out, you know, figure out this other thing, figure out a plan B. Yeah. And, and I still will tell you, you need to go to college, right? Back at plan. Yeah. But don't ever let me tell you that you can't do it. And if I do tell you you can't do it, don't believe me. Yeah. Don't listen. Do if you got something that makes your heart sing, if you've got something that brings you joy, your passion, your love, I would rather you die on that hill, penniless, broke, than being a, a rich accountant somewhere hating every minute of your life. Yeah, no kidding. You know? And yeah. so, you know, this my but but I want him to have that mindset that you're talking about. The mindset of the story only ends one way. Even in those moments when you're, sad during COVID, you know, when you're hurt, you're, and you're self-inflicted. Some of it's self-inflicted, yeah. right? I mean, you're still grinding. You're still trying to improve. How do you, what do you, do you think there's something that you have that makes you do that? I just always have wanted to be, okay. So there's always a, you know, this saying in the wrestling business, uh, bookers will tell you it doesn't matter if you win or lose right it's work right i've always said well if it don't matter put me over right right <laughs> if it don't yeah. matter put me over i mean it's like it, it, as long as it don't matter i guess i'll just win right um like i just and again like people that have worked with me you know that i'm pretty generous in the ring but sure. uh i just don't i i don't like second place Right. I don't like second place. Um, when I was a kid playing Little League soccer, my team, basketball even, my team usually won the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I, at very early age, at a very early age, I was used to like our team getting a trophy and it was never a participation one. Right. I don't want a participation trophy. Right. Ever. ever. Right. Right. Like I don't don't give me the intercontinental title. Mm -hmm. Doesn't work for me. Yeah, like I would I would be like no no universal title let's go. You I know, just, just kind of like the mindset I have. I mean, just like if 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 I'm not if I'm not the top draw if I'm not the the top guy and I'm sometimes I'm not no big deal. But it's it's like that's where I'm going. And again, like I've always said, if the story doesn't end one way, it's not over yet. Right. I was going to ask you that because I think that this is something that I've noticed too. And that is that uh, you, you obviously have a confidence in yourself. And I think that's really important whenever I, it doesn't matter whether I, my first job out of high school was working in a warehouse. Then I became a missionary. I sold cell phones. I was did construction for a little while. Now I'm an attorney, but I've always had a mindset where when I walk into a room, I think I'm the best in the room. Very, yeah. very rarely, like, and if I'm not, I know I'm capable of becoming the best in the room. Right? Yeah, I don't really have that, but yeah, no, I feel that. Yeah, like, and, it, and I think what I mean by that is, is like what you said, right? You want to be the top draw. Like, yeah. I, I've heard it often said in wrestling, and I think this is true in life. If you're, if you're not in this business to become the world champion, you shouldn't be in the business. No. Right? Yeah, so, absolutely. 
So is, do you see that in yourself? Like you, whatever you do, you're like, I want to be the best at this. If I'm, if I'm not, then why am I here? You right. know, it's, it's, and then, and then kind of goes back to why I quit baseball. I wasn't right. going to be the best. Right. I couldn't be the best no more. Sure. So like, why am I sticking around? Right. You know, right. this wrestling thing, I can, I can rock and roll with that. Am yeah. I the best? No, I'm not the best. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not booked on WrestleMania. Right. obviously but um i can i can i think I, I and i put a post the other day uh that everyone that told me i didn't belong in this business aren't in the business no more right you're gonna get run over by the freight train you're yeah. standing on the tracks and the trains coming through butthead yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know? that's so that's that's uh welcome to the big leagues right yeah yeah <laughs> so that's just i mean whatever you know i just i try to i try to just be the best i can be and and i've always like when we talk about like the, the like the confidence and the lack of confidence sure i swear every match before i go to the ring i swear I'm, i i, I kind of like i say i pump my I pump myself up get ready and every match i'm just thinking this is the night i ruin it all mm. this is the night where i get exposed this is the night where I'm not as good as I thought I was. This is the night where every, everyone finds out that I'm not. Mm -hmm. That always enters my head. Mm. Keeps me on point. But then then the music hits and it just goes away. Yeah. So it's it's funny you say that because I remember so I've I've had a whopping two matches since I came back. But but both of them. Both of them, there's a moment. In fact, the first one especially. Yeah. I'm in the back and I'm sitting there and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I was like, what yeah. am I doing? I didn't have any, I didn't even have gimmicks. I still don't. Like, I don't, I don't really haven't figured out what I'm doing yet. You know, it's just these things where they're like, hey, we need a guy. You're booked. Right. And yeah. At Jarevko, he had like five people cancel. So he needed me to come in. Oh, and yeah. I, and, and, uh, yeah, you were there. And so I, but I, both times, the first one, especially I go, I'm, I'm an old man. Like I, what am I doing? You know, nobody out there is going to like what I'm doing. And it's going to be, it's going to look garbage. I'm going to feel like garbage this is stupid. I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. As soon as I walked through the curtain, it went away. And yeah. And then, and then I had a fan, you know, it was funny because I was messaging someone telling him that right before. And then, when I, uh, and then when the match was over, sent me a message and they're like, so how did it go? And I was like, actually it went really well. Yeah. And I was like, and that's a problem because now I want more. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, then, and, that, and, then, and that's when you're going to screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> that's always the thought in your head is like, now it's like, cause I've probably had like 12, 1300 matches. Yeah. And I swear that I still suck at this. Yeah. And then doesn't matter like this is the like every time i think this is the night and even when i have bad ones mm -hmm. everyone's like that was great and i'm like was yeah yeah <laughs> like okay if you say so that's one thing i've liked about working with johnny jeter you know he was in the w okay yeah 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 and i've he's the one who kind of retrained well he really trained me like i wasn't fully trained before and he he finished it off for me uh, this is the first time in my life where I feel like I know, like I could go in the ring and I could go, like yeah. I could work. And but he was the one who said he's like, 
dude, the, he broke it down so well. He just is like, this is really simple. You just need to learn the rolls, the bumps. Like you need to learn, you know, you learn the locks and then the rest is just that stuff, but in different contexts, you know? Yeah. So, so like it really, it was really true because like the first match, I mean, I'm kind of smarting everybody up here, but like that first match, you know, we're, we're well, okay. Fib, fib. Fib, right, right, right. Newsflash. No, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, but we, we talked about, you know, we were, the guy I was working is just like, you know, have you ever taken a tornado DDT? And I was like, no. And he's like, we'll just do this. And I go, simple enough. Sounds good. Yeah. Right. And then, and I took it, went fine. You know what I mean? I get yeah. to the back and the guy I knew was like, he goes, you ever taken one of those before? And I go, no. And he goes, look great. I was like, nice. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just the, you know, so you, you're right. Like I, I was sitting there and I was thinking, I was, like, I was like, I don't know enough of this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know enough stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't know this stuff and went out there and I mean, it was a great match. I, it was easy when you have a good, easy guy to work. I mean, you know, the Aguilar, the guy I worked from Arizona was great. Who is he? You know? His name is Aguilar. He works. Uh, oh, uh, he sucks. Yeah. No, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just no, talking back. He, <laughs> he does a lucha gimmick. He came up from Arizona. Okay. Um, and and work the show and uh, super nice guy, super easy to work with, super light, couldn't feel a thing. I'd work him a million times. He was, nice, he was great, nice. you know. Um, and then of course Nuck Nuck was the ref, so that made it a hundred times easier. Oh yeah, you know, because um, he knew it. You know, he he would talk talk to us over there. He's a good ring general, dude. He's he's great. Yeah. Love him. I wish I could have him every match. So yeah, and, uh, wiggles early. Yeah, yeah. Toby, uh, Toby and Sparky are great too. Yeah, I, no, I, really. I I would love to work with all those guys. But um, real quick before we end, I wanna I wanna talk with you. So now, I mean, you're you're heading the sports program for your entire school district, right? Uh, to an extent. So what we have here, uh, this is a kind of a cool story. So when uh, I was down on my luck and I needed a job, um, I interviewed for a campus supervision uh, job with my school district. Just I needed to get some money, you know what I mean? And then uh, I looked at the hours and I'm like, hmm. It was it was lunch recess, basically, and a few other hours, basically, then. So I thought, when I did the interview, I, I kind of pitched as, uh, well, what if I ran sports during the recess? Let's do mm -hmm. kickball, soccer, mushball, whatever. You know, like, oh, we, we, we really like that idea. Like, cool, cool. Um, so I do that for years, and then um, later on, that the, the position, the, the, the position I currently uh, anyways, <laughs> the position I currently have, um, they uh, they offered part of it was um, was that I'd be running a sports program, and I kind of they gave me the papers, and I'm like, this is what I was doing at the one school. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but you want this district wide? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's like, like here, like we have our little middle school leagues. This is for the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. Mm. They get to play all the other schools in town, just nice. like you would in middle school. So what we're doing is, uh, and actually, the the fourth, January the fourth. Uh, will be the first uh, volleyball game. So mm. volleyball season's about to start. We just finished soccer. Um, so we do, we do soccer, volleyball, and basketball. 
nice. uh, district wide. So I'm, I'm like really happy about this. This is like really cool to me nice. personally. And, I, and uh, if it wasn't for the sake of my sanity, like I would do more sports. Sure. But it, it is, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Uh, fortunately, volleyball and basketball are way easier than soccer. Sure. Because soccer, I got to set up the nets, but the way we do it, we do two games at a time. So I'm setting up four nets mm. and all the flags. So it takes me close to an hour every day to do that. Wow. By myself. Um, but now volleyball is a little easier. Just throw the nets up. Let's get rock and roll. And then basketball, you press a button. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like, okay, we can do that. But like, I really like this. Uh, we might do kickball. Uh, we've talked about doing baseball, adding another sport, but it, it's 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 a lot of fun and it's really cool and like it's it's like one of those things like, man, I wish I had this when I was a kid because this is really really neat because you got kids like they're playing their cousin from another yeah. school or something like that. Sure, so it, it's really cool. It's really cool to do this. And is it is it fun just because you get to be a part of the sports or the kids or both? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's it's really it's really cool because. Like I'll see a, like a parent in the crowd and it's like someone I played soccer with, hmm. you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. oh, their kid's playing soccer now. Not yeah. only is their kid playing soccer, they got the same name. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really, it's really kind of neat to see that. Right. Um, I know I, I, I really like this a lot. It's, it's a lot of work, like I said, but it's, it's, it's pretty awesome actually. And then, then yeah. the fact that my buddy Juwan, I was telling you about, he runs uh, the drop-in program basketball mm. camp when he's back from germany so mm. we have like some of the kids that like have heard i'm a wrestler and and like hear about things i'm like well you didn't know i'm like you know mr hodges I'm like oh yeah mr hodges from the steam center I'm like we're the tag team champs look i'll be showing like a picture on my phone like we're, we're the tag team champions and they're like <laughs> mr martin and mr hodges are the champs what yeah yeah it's, it's 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 really cool because yeah he runs that and actually it reminds me I, I lent him like three of my Wii remotes I need to get those back they're over there the <laughs> right now <laughs> that's all awesome. I have to send a text message like right now actually <laughs> Mr. Jones needs to get those back to me <laughs> that's awesome man so it sounds like you found your calling there I, so. I hope so I hope yeah so. yeah so what's so tell us uh there's a couple of things that I ask everybody on this and I'm going to ask these to you to kind of wrap up. What would you say is your biggest success in life? Uh, probably this house, honestly. Oh, yeah? Because, um, like, I always had a vision for my dream house when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I am currently living it. Nice. Like, all these little, like, things I wanted to do. Oh, my hands. Not done yet. I do. I, I, I got to finish the bar downstairs, which I've been saying for five years now. But... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's gotta be this, this is literally this, let's just say it when, when, when I meet a lady at the bar and she opens the door, it's not too much longer. <laughs> Before. You know, it's, funny. it's funny. I always tell people, and I think you're kind of like this. And this is one of the reasons why I was kind of drawn to you. I think pretty quickly is I always tell people, I go, my interests haven't changed since the age of five, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm the Rocky video games, pizza and you know movies yeah like, you know my i i built a i built you've seen pictures of the rocky theater you oh, know yeah. oh, and yeah. in my basement i've got an arcade cabinet and i've got you know pinball machine and 
you know, all that stuff. And so it's cool when my son, he brings his buddies over and they're like, you've got a theater, you know, yeah. you've, got, you've got an RPK. And this is just, it's so funny because I look at my son and I'm like, he just thinks it's like, yeah, it's Thursday. Just, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's just the house. Yeah. And so the thing cool. too is because like a lot of times I come home because, well, you know, I'm busy, like I said, with the sports and all that. And so many times I, I come home, I walk upstairs, I throw some Epsom salt in the bathtub, I lay in there for about an hour. I get out. I lay in the, the bed for about an hour, watch YouTube or Raw or whatever it's on. I don't use none of this stuff. I've been in the hot tub downstairs in three or four months. Right. So it's like, it's like one of those deals. Yeah. It's funny. That, I, same thing. Like I, the arcade cabinet I used a lot for about three or four. During COVID, I used it a lot. But, but uh, yeah, I don't think I've touched. I haven't turned it on in months. So. Yeah. So, so that's your biggest success. What would you say is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Uh, don't take woodshop, take drama. <laughs> that would be, that would probably definitely be the biggest one. Uh, don't work for Lance Cardoza. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Manny Fernandez. Well, I got the yeah. shovel out now. Here we go. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> this is very there, ain't, hey, there ain't no way they're watching this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, biggest failures. Yeah. Those, um, I say my biggest failure was just being so down on myself. Like in 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. I just like actually, yeah, I would say that because I literally wasted my mid twenties, which mm -hmm. would have been the prime of my life. And I was just like, so depressed on it, not being like the high school years anymore. No one likes you when you're 23. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I had that mindset. And like I said, I got in terrible shape. Yeah. I got lazy. I look like garbage. Was there something during that time that did that? Or was it just generally, like you said, you're getting older, you're sad that you're out of high school, you're not where you wanted to be when you were that age? Is that kind of what was going on? I think part of it was the, uh, the economic depression. Oh, okay. You know, I think, I think that didn't help. Um, yeah. I had a job, I was working at the old Hollywood video stores. When they were already deep in a bankruptcy sure so i was getting like 10 hours a week mm. you know so i wasn't like i was going in the red every month yeah you know what i mean and and then like that didn't help i mean uh i had uh there was a lady i was kind of seeing at the time which i have not seen since mm. mm -hmm. and uh you know what i mean yeah maybe, I the, maybe the one that got away well no, no, probably, yeah. probably not maybe but uh Away. yeah it was it was like it, it, like i had that mindset that that like okay my best years are already over and i'm 22 23 years old yeah and then until hood slam happened i didn't kick out of that yeah you yeah. know it's like, it's like that saying in the office i wish there was a way to know you're leaving the good old days before they're over i yeah. thought they were already over they weren't yeah. You know, that's a, that's, that's something too, that I've found really interesting too, is I, I tend to not look back, you know? And what I mean by that is I look yeah. back and I have fond memories, but when they're over, they're over. Like when I went, when I went to high school or when I graduated high school, I never really went back to like a homecoming game. I haven't yeah. you know, did those things. And I have some friends that they do that. And I just always think to myself, my, my saying, you say, you're saying this, you know, the story only ends one way. Mine is I haven't, yeah yet you know what i mean like yeah. my best days my best days are still uh ahead of me you know 
And uh, it's cool to peak, you know, to, to see the pinnacle at, you know, 41, 42. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the middle and, uh, and look for that next thing. I, I have a very similar story. I mean, I was, you, when you met me, I was heavy. I was 350 pounds when I was, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. I was gigantic and, uh, uh, super unhealthy. I sometimes tell people stories about what I ate and I'm like, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't get to 350 without a few, without a few questionable stories when it comes yeah, to that. a few cows on there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stories that involve easy cheese, you know, but uh, but like, yeah, you know, still working out, still doing those things and, and getting back into it. I feel the same way you do. I was like, I'm in better shape in my 40s than I was in my 30s. You yeah. know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. So yeah. last last big question here for you. Deep question. I try to ask people. And that is uh, one day, you know, hopefully a long time from now, you're going to pass away. Whenever someone passes away, um, there's a funeral and someone gives a eulogy. What is one thing that you would want someone to say in your eulogy about you? Oof. Oh man, you're laying on heavy here. I don't, I don't, I think it's not so much what they would say. I think what I would like is them to walk up to the podium and every single person to just go, <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And just yeah. like smile and shake their head like, oh boy. Yeah. Let me tell you about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then just be it just be story time. Yeah. Um, the rest of the the rest of the way. Uh like I could say he was a nice guy. Yeah, right. But uh nah, um I think I think just I think I've given people good memories. Yeah. Um, hope I do more of that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that's. that's about know, it. I, don't, I don't know how to. I don't know. I don't want to like put words in their mouths, but you know what I'm saying. Like I think that's like just kind of like. Like oh, well, let me tell you about Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is you tell a you, you're doing a pirate gimmick. One of my favorite scenes from Pirates of the Caribbean is the scene where uh, Captain Jack Sparrow is first captured, and he and the um, the the admiral, I think, is who he is. He he looks at him and he goes, "You are the worst. You're the worst pirate I've ever heard of." And his response is, "But you have heard of me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm the know, worst wrestler you've ever seen, you've ever heard of, but you've heard of me. Yeah, yeah. And so that you go. that's that's what I want. I want that to be the yeah. I am yeah. the worst wrestler you've ever seen, but you have heard of me. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Is that one thing that I've I did a, I did a the podcast to the we were talking offline about this. I did the podcast with Polyamorous Ruth a couple uh, a couple shows ago. And man, I've never had such a wide range of responses to a podcast. I mean, I'm not, you're my, I think my 18th podcast. So it's not like I'm a pro, right? But I mean, yeah. like I was surprised at how wide the reaction was. And after a few days, I just went, at least they're talking. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, well, good. Well, we've been going almost two hours. So yeah. appreciate you taking some time. That's what and- she said. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to get one of those in there. You got it. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> no, I appreciate you coming in and talking with me. Let's do this. That's again. what she said. Yeah. 
All right, all right, I'll stop. Yeah, yeah, let's 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 wrap it up. No, you know, I say this in every one of these, but uh, we got to do this again. Like we'll do, I'm down. We'll do yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll do this again down the road, and we'll talk more about where Johnny Butabi ends up. So let's think. So. Uh, how about how about around spring break? Because you know I'll be a little more available then. We'll be after Entertainia, Foot Slam Entertainia, which for you wrestling fans is. You ever notice how WWE doesn't say wrestling except for WrestleMania? Well, this is our Entertainia. Entertainia. Yeah. So right. uh, it'll be after Entertainia. We'll see if I still got the ship. I might have another. Maybe I got eight or nine under my belt by then. So that's yeah, right. that sounds good. All right, man. Well, good. Well, this has been the end of the podcast. This is the part where I'm supposed to say subscribe. Probably should have said that at the beginning too, but yeah, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Good times. <laughs>